1: This podcast contains excerpts from New Soul Radio shows. For the full listening experience with music, visit NewSoulRadio.com. That's N-U-S-O-L-Radio.com. This is SoulSay.
2: The following thoughts and opinions do not represent New Soul Radio, Soulsay & Company, or any of our affiliates, advertisers, or sponsors. You're listening to Gems and Gems with Kim Brio
1: on new radio.com y'all let me tell you i'm just about to be so forthright with y'all because life of media life of production is um interesting to say the least and my guests that i have here today um we've already had a substantial amount of conversation you guys you want to know why because Kim was talking and she wasn't recording. Kim was talking and she wasn't recording. Um, yeah, guys, just one of those, those, yeah, one of those moments. Thankfully, my guest is completely fine with it. So... Um, I'm repeating some things for myself, but welcome to Jams and Jams Radio, guys. What you do know already from today's show is that today's topic is Black business. And the guest that I bought on today, I bought on because I'm really excited about his perspective in regards to his interest um, in Black business. Because a lot of times when we talk about Black business on any platforms of any sort, we're talking about Black business in a current sense right now. And often it's also what all these Black businesses are just doing wrong, you know? And what I love about his perspective is that he's looking at this from a historical perspective, um, especially with this being the anniversary of some very important dates that we're going to get into in a little bit. Benizam, welcome.
3: Hello, long time no speak.
1: Start the sarcasm. <laughs> Gotta lighten
3: wait. it up a little bit.
1: I want to thank you on air. I want to publicly thank you on air for not just like being like, you know what? I'm not about to deal with her. We just did 20 minutes of the an interview and it is not recorded. I thank you for sticking with me.
3: No problem. It happens to the best of us. It
1: does happen to the best of us. <laughs> so, a little bit, guys. Nizam is actually uh, my photographer. We just did a wonderful photo shoot yesterday. So, shameless plug. But I'm going to have him tell you a little bit about himself and where you can find him before we get into this nitty gritty and get into this good content. Okay. So, where can they find you? Tell them a little bit about you.
3: Sure. Um, professional photographer, been shooting over 22 years, have a practice in Chicago and Miami. Outside of that, um, business consultant and finishing up my PhD hoping to defend by the end of August, early September, which is focused on a section of black business. So that's the nitty gritty of me.
1: Which is awesome. And he guys, again, this is our second time around. So he's giving you the the shorter versions. Um, but I do want to just say, you know, like I said last time when we weren't recording, I'm gonna have to bring you back after so that I can call you doctor. <laughs> just 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 to do redo your interview. We're gonna start sure. calling you doctrinism. <laughs>
3: <laughs> sure, that's fine.
1: So, um, again, thank you for sticking with me, but let's jump in here. We talked about the history of Black business, and my first question for you, how we flowed in so well, was I wanted to know what brought your interest to looking at Black business in this sense and from this angle. Um, And you talked a little bit about your uh, dissertation really bringing you here, and I wanted to know if you could share some of those things and some of those numbers even regarding specifically Black architects.
3: Sure. So um, just to give context, in a past career, I worked in architecture for about 16 years, so it's something I've always been passionate about. Um, in my research, which is kind of focusing on how to increase the number of Black architects in this country, um, I had to go back to history to kind of see where where this started at. But to give context to the listeners, there's roughly 380 million people in the United States of that 15% at the top is 15% at its highest point is black people. There's roughly 110,000 licensed architects in the United States. And of that number, 2,500 are African-American. Digging deeper into that 2,500, barely 500, not 500,000, 500 are African-American women that are licensed in this United States as of today.
1: And I need y'all to understand this is 2021. We're talking 110,000 licensed architects in our country, of which, y'all, from 110,000 down to, I'm not even gonna say 2,500 and give, down to 2,500 that are Black and as you dig even deeper in regards to black women only 500 of those are black women and this is in 2021 it reminds me of that sentiment where we see those things online and it's like the first black such and such and such and i'm to the point now where i don't even get excited anymore cuz i'll be like we still having first in 2021 <laughs> like how how exactly. are we still here
3: <laughs> exactly mm-hmm.
1: So go ahead. Talk to me a little bit more about how you made that shift from architecture to being uh, interested in understanding black business as a whole.
3: Uh, So for me, I've always appreciated business because uh, I've always been a creative, but you need to get paid. There's an art to that. Ergo business. Um, So over the years, I've been a consultant for many businesses in the United States, UK, Canada. That's another story. Um, But as I got into my dissertation, I had to go back into history to kind of see, well, what has been the trend in the profession of architecture? So from that, I learned a lot more about black businesses. So to give context, most of us are familiar that slavery allegedly ended 1863, Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865. Well, there's a period that I recommend everyone look at called Reconstruction. Reconstruction is the period after slavery where for the first time, African-Americans are free and are now starting their own endeavors and their own businesses. You have your first African-American senators and things like that.
1: Mm -hmm. So this is
3: a period that roughly goes 1865 to 1880. So you have your businesses coming around. You have your own neighborhoods coming about because now these free slaves no longer forced to stay on a plantation can now congregate and create their own town Mm -hmm. cities and such. Mm -hmm. Jim Crow comes along, Ku Klux Klan comes along, the military is no longer mandated to make sure the South does right, so Mm. now you're starting to have things where town people are being lynched, you're seeing your first lynchings outside of slavery, you're seeing people coming up missing, and you're seeing your towns being negatively, negatively impacted. So other ones that we are familiar with that lead up to 1921 include uh, Black Chicago, the race, race, race riots in Chicago in 1919, Rosewood, which is in Rosewood, Florida, where the town was burned down, and then bringing us up until to Tulsa, which now is very popular because we've just passed the 100-year anniversary of Tulsa.
1: Correct. For the
3: uninitiated, Tulsa was a known as Black Wall Street. It was a Black town that had its own Black businesses that... Took care of the black community because a lot of white people were not rushing to give black people said products and services. It has been said that an incident happened and then white residents from neighboring towns came in, bombed, destroyed businesses. I think over almost 100 people were killed. All these businesses were destroyed. The first thing that stands out is what happens when we have a traumatic event insurance there was no
1: insurance. And I want to before you talk about the insurance, y'all, I want you guys who have not researched, I need you guys to understand these are not just black businesses like corner stores. These were prominent Black businesses, and a lot of the resentment from the white side tended to be because of the success of these Black businesses and the fact that they were driving cars before their counterparts or they were had luxury furs and they had things that the white community did not have. I need you guys to understand, it was not just because Black Wall Street was dubbed by uh, WDB, yeah? Mm-hmm.
0: yeah
2: and WDB
1: he named it that because... Of the level of business that was being done. This was not, I don't, I really want you guys to understand as we talk about this, because he's gonna talk about insurance not being paid. And these were not like the corner store that we're used to. No, these were 700 seat movie theaters, these were luxury businesses that we're talking about here.
3: I also wanna interject the irony of it is because these gentlemen and women who had these businesses were from skills that were forced upon them from Ah. slavery that they then took and then used to make their own way. So Mm. I I bring that up because a lot of people used to say, you know, Black people are lazy. So we took a very negative situation when we were brought here against our will. And then we we give free labor for almost 200 some odd years. Mm. And then we do not get our 40 acres and a mule even though in other cases, like in the case of Japanese uh, internment camps, we did give reparations to them in World War II, but right? we did not give African-Americans that. Nonetheless, this group of people then strike out on their own, use the skills of masons, uh, locksmiths, builders, carpenters to create their own. And then because they've created their own, envy has then brought about a situation like in the case of Tulsa. Yep. Now, one of the other things that we mentioned before, kind of pivoting back, Mm-hmm. Is that right after Reconstruction, a lot of banks took black people's money and never gave it back. So if you're wondering subconsciously why your great great grandma, me, mom, and all of them don't like banks, that's why. Because a lot of the banks, including there in their current form, Citibank was a different name, Chase was a different name. All the big banks contributed to such actions, and even after the Depression, which I'll get into a little bit later a lot of black people developed a hesitancy because they saw that the government and the banking system did not work in their best interest. And, and
1: it's, as you say, this, it's so easy as we sit back and we watch the levels of trust that black people don't have. And we start, we blow it off, you know, Um, even as we talk about now we're in 2021 and people deciding to take the vaccine or not take the vaccine. We're in a place where we've never been able to trust any any levels of government be that be that economic base, be that medical base, we've never been able to trust. And that's so important, like that he says that because for me, I used to always laugh at older people like, you don't want to put your money in the bank. Okay. And I never understood the the core of why they felt that way because if they gave it to the bank there was a likelihood they wasn't gonna get it back now in 2021 we feel like oh citibank gonna give me my money back i'm gonna go to the chase branch and that's not what it was that's not what it was and then to
3: piggyback on that african americans have not been allowed to have documentation of very simple things that we take for granted if we look back at things like ancestry.com First, which I think is irony that any black person has to pay for that, given what happened, yeah. is, is interesting in itself. I want to
1: pay you to tell me how how you torture me and find out what I can.
3: But I digress. So <laughs> I've I've looked up on my father's side roots in Arkansas as far back as 1825. So you know, and it's very piecemeal records you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So what paperwork could you have as a black person in Reconstruction that a white person had to respect and give you your money
1: honor? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it it gets real complicated. So as you come up to Tulsa, these black people realized, you know, segregation might have been good. It's been asked before, you know, was segregation bad for us? In my younger days, I was all for integration. But I give the caveat of I want economic uh, integration. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said we integrated into a burning house. Mm. Um, Cultural integration was going to happen black people make the world go around. We are the trends. And just by human nature, life. right, black people, black kids was going to sit next to a white kid, so on and so forth. But we have yet to see true economic integration. There's always a caveat or a dot, dot, dot to it.
1: Yeah. So,
3: before with Tulsa, it was like, okay, we'll create our own neighborhood. We'll create our own doctors, as, as you mentioned. These weren't just corner stores. These were doctors, lawyers, uh, uh, whole booth, hotels with whole restaurants hotels. That we didn't need to because if anyone has heard of the Green Book, that was real. You just couldn't go into a hotel or somewhere in the South. You needed to know where you could go and sundown towns, which still exist in Illinois and the country today. If it's dark and you black, you might not want to stop there. So all of these systems we put into place for ourselves and Tulsa was a moment where these white folks got mad, burned things down. And then ultimately, these people were traumatized, and it never came back to be the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Last
3: caveat, there is a connection to Tulsa from Chicago, where John Rogers is the great grandson of a descendant of Tulsa. John Rogers is the founder of Aerial Management, the largest mutual fund, African-American mutual fund, I think, in the world.
1: Yes. And it's so funny you said that. But I understand now he's if you guys look him up, he contributes quite often to the Tulsa and Black Wall Street conversation as the owner of Ariel Investments. But I never really um, dug in or paid enough attention to know why, because he's a direct descendant. Um, let me ask you a question as we kind of talk about him. Right. This mm-hmm. is one, this is, look, now we're into the new interview, okay? Because like, guys, what you got to understand, <laughs> this is all stuff that we covered in the last interview. So we are like, yeah, 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 run through that. So this is a new question, right? Okay. When you think about um, men like him who were able to grab something and still make something of it and create a legacy for their family, how do you feel about the legacies lost for those families who never got it back, who who their their families had wealth, bluntly, wealth then and they don't now and they don't have a a family business or a lot of the things that we even look at I'm just going to be real y'all we look at white people and we go well Zach didn't have to do anything that's family money well in Tulsa we had the ability to have some of that too so talk to me a little bit about the legacies lost of those businesses for those families and for our culture
3: I think these conversations need to happen so that somebody's great grandson, or great granddaughter does the digging and do the investigative work mm. um, because you're right. You know, I think I saw a chart recently where it was like the average fan, white family has a, hundred, a value of one hundred and seventy one thousand dollars. Average African-American family has seventeen thousand. Yeah. Those stats without context are very detrimental. Because it leads you to believe that African Americans have no interest in saving and we're mass consumers. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. Most of us older generations push to be better to save to push to the next generation. But when you've had physical, economic, and cultural traumas such mm. as a Tulsa, how do you justify saving? How I- I'll just save the money and keep it in my in my 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 mattress, as old folks would say. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that these conversations need to be had amongst all black families, because then what then happens after Tulsa roughly is the beginning from 1920s through the 70s of the Great Migration. For those who don't know what that is, that's basically where a lot of black people migrated from the south to the north to the Midwest and to the west, where there was like, okay, there are no opportunities in the south. So then people have to ask with common sense, why were there no opportunities in the south? after hold Reconstruction,
1: on. hold <laughs> it no because because look we we can keep going down this road we're gonna play a couple of songs for him and mm-hmm. when we come back we're gonna hop in with reconstruction and just so you guys understand reconstruction was the period pretty much directly after Tulsa and before we go to reconstruction when we come back I do want to uh, touch on Red Summer a little bit just so that they, that they understand that Tulsa Rosewood were not one-off events this was uh, uh, in a, a, a countrywide culture that was happening um, and being allowed to happen so y'all we're gonna play a little music you know what I'm gonna play some Gap Band because Gap. you do you know why
3: uh-huh you know why. Greenwood, Archer and Pine
1: exactly Gap <laughs> Band is a Tulsa If you guys didn't know what what the Gap and Gap Band was, it was for Greenwood and Archer, which were the Anchor Streets in Black Wall Street. So I'm going to play some Gap Band right now because that's the vibe we're on. We're going to play a couple of songs and then we'll be right back and we're going to dig right in and pick up a Reconstruction. And also just touch on a few of those other situations that are a little less known than Tulsa, but were
0: very
2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Similar in nature. Supporters of this show can join us on Patreon, where for only $5 a month, you can access all past shows and exclusive content. Join now at Patreon.com forward slash Hope. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash S-O-L-S-E-I-C-O. Want to answer one of our questions or have a song or artist request? Or do you just want to leave us some feedback? Call the New Soul Radio voicemail at 312-945-6376. That's 312-945-6376. Remember, we may play your message on air. Every time I come back mid-interview, this is like, and it's not just you like nice and (laughs) understand it's not just you I did the same thing with Dr. Garrett I'm probably gonna do the same thing on the next show I get all tongue-tied and flustered but you know that's good you want to know why why because I keep having these in-depth conversations, and y'all be taking my little breath away, and I'll be oh my god. So
3: <laughs> y'all catch
1: me off guard, but it's a good thing, guys. For those of you who are just tuning in, I'm here with Nizam. We are discussing Black business, but we're not discussing Black business in the way that you often hear it. We're often talking about Black business from a modern place and a modern standpoint, and we're going the other direction, and we're going from history on forward. We started talking in in regards to the reconstruction period, which was right after we were freed as slaves. Um, well, that was a whole gradual process, but you guys know our history. But <laughs> right after that period, we were talking and we started with the phase of reconstruction. We touched on Tulsa and we talked about Black Wall Street. If you um did miss that and you want to catch it, guys, make sure you follow my social media so you can go ahead and get on the Patreon because that's the only way you can get these full interviews. in entirety after the show has aired so if you missed the interview don't worry pick up listen now But go ahead and hop on Patreon and get the rest of the interview. So we're picking up and we were going to talk about now the Great Migration. And the Great Migration was when uh, a lot of African-Americans from the South decided there's nothing here for me and decided to move north. And that's why a lot of times we can say, where are your people from? Your people from Mississippi, your people from here, your people from there. Nizam and I are from Chicago. And we can say that even here, you can talk to people and know. Where you're like, oh, your people from Arkansas too? Okay, because we were not <laughs> born here. We migrated here. So dig in and jump in and give me this talk about the Great Migration and have fun, boo. Go
3: ahead. Sure. So the Great Migration, as you mentioned, it was a great segue into that is a lot of black folk leaving the South. One of the things that m- well, motivated people to move was opportunity. Because again, people realized that I can't succeed here. Economics has always been the root of this country, as as I've mentioned before. Contrary to popular belief, Abraham Lincoln, for instance, did not free black people because it was the moral thing to do. It was to keep the union together.
1: You mean Honest Abe didn't free us because he loved us?
3: No. In fact, Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln himself commissioned a study to see if he could send black folks back to Africa. It was just entirely too costly. Now, the reason he is viewed as such a great president, if you can take that out of it, is because he did what he could to keep the union of the United States together. That's mm-hmm. what made him that. As a black person, I wrestle with that, but that's just
1: me. That's. <laughs> And I I know a lot of listeners here are wrestling with that. And they're also wrestling with their understanding of what history was and what you just told them. And you just burst their little
3: bubbles. Well, yeah, I'm going to continue to pop bubbles because I'm just in that (laughs) kind of mood today. So one of the things people don't think about is economics in this country, that the Civil War was a war of economics. So the South produced tobacco, sugar, cotton, all these things that they were selling to the world. And it was free labor. The North did not produce anything but the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So you then move into the Industrial Revolution where things are becoming modernized. Right. So you're saying, well, why did you go backwards and how does that relate to the Great Migration? With the Industrial Revolution coming in the late 19th, early 20th centuries, cars, factories, things like that. Now, the uh, uh, agrarian culture of farming and things is being now automated. Now, black Mm -hmm. people move to the north for new opportunities
1: so that they could work in these factories and be a part of this new
3: revolution that was happening. Because there are a lot of people, including my father. My father passed in last year in 2020. He lived to be 67. My father chopped cotton in the 20th century. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Your dad was on, listen, 67 is young. Yeah.
1: He, he, I need y'all to put this in perspective. Mm -hmm. He was not born in 18, nothing. Right. He stopped cotton now.
3: So his father was born in 1903 and his father was probably a slave. Right. So, So when people say, get over it, when you can think that literally we're only talking three, maybe four generations ago. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So the Great Migration is an opportunity for African-Americans to start over because the South is flourishing with Jim Crow and things and so on and so forth. Moving forward to roughly 1929 through the 30s, we have the Great Depression. The Great Depression, for those who don't know, the economy basically went in the toilet it and formats. it impacted completely and it impacted everyone. But of course, Black people feel the brunt of it more than others. Now, one well, thing- welcome to now. You're right. <laughs> One of the things that a lot of Black people may not know is the reason why we vote programmatically Democratic is because of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, who created the New Deal. The New Deal it's was basically- so
1: funny you said that <laughs> because a lot of- Black people don't know historically black people voted Republican.
3: Republican. Exactly. Up from from Lincoln up until FDR, we voted Republican.
1: Republican yeah. The
3: Republican party was built on pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps because the government as we had seen in earlier cases afterward did not help black people. Right. <laughs> Obviously. Right. So, that's how we get there now. So we move through the depression Black people now get a few scraps. So now we're, the country's trying to come back together. Unfortunately, the economic engine of war brought the United States out of the Depression. This is a fact. World War II Man, starts absolutely. 1939, technically, with the assassination of the Czechoslovakian prime minister. And then Hitler does what he does. We're brought into the war in 1941. When the war effort begins, most soldiers, most of the men are abroad. So now the factories are run by the women. So if you see that old school picture of the lady with the arm muscle. The and the thing, Rosie the Riveter. Exactly. That's where that came from. Yet still, we had not integrated into the army. Even though we fought in the Civil War. I was just
1: going to say we fought in the war. Let's be clear.
3: Yeah, we did. But after the Civil War, we did not fight again until World War II. And the only reason that we fought in the Civil War is because the North was smart. You got a group of people that know the lay of the land, give them a uniform so they can go back and fight. That was just good war strategy. Mm
1: -hmm, That was just common sense.
3: You didn't need to go to West Point to figure that out. (laughs) Okay. So we get through World War II. Um, Truman integrates the army. So that gets into the Tuskegee Airmen and then touches into things like the Tuskegee Experiment, which is the reason why Black people do not trust. That's why
1: we're not going to get
3: vaccinated right now. Now, I'm going to dispel that myth really quickly. Um, One of the things that was formed after the Tuskegee experiment is called the National Institute of Health. A lot of Mm. people like I hear CDC. I hear all these things like that. The importance of NIH is that, for instance, in my Ph.D. research, I have to be certified for them before I do any research. And all I did was interviews. If I did not get certified, then all my research would be null and void. Mm. So. After the cre- after Tuskegee, the NIH was created to make sure that people were not harmed as research subjects ever again. So if you're dealing with kids or like prison populations or certain distressed populations, there's more things you have to go through before you can legally do research
1: that you can e- even do anything before that you adds a thing. level of comfort. And y'all, I really want to pause insert yeah. for the people who are not vaccinated and this is their basis. I really want you to listen to what he said. There are avenues and things in place to ensure our safety.
3: And then on a counter conspiratory bias level, and I'm going to mention
1: conspiratory ma- bias. Yeah, he said y'all his dissertation coming out.
3: <laughs> Most folks say I'm not going to take the shot because they are going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Well, for, for y'all listening, you ain't Malcolm X, you ain't Marcus Garvey, they you ain't Martin Luther King. Number two, <laughs> capitalism keeps this country running. There's no reason that they would kill that many black people because black people are the biggest for consumer. the money. Even
1: You're with the companies that they Yeah.
3: You're killing your money. Do you yeah. know what would happen if the, if the cure didn't work and killed that many black people? Who gonna buy the Jordans?
1: It will be economic collapse.
3: So I say that to not say I, if you don't take it, that's fine. But black people play a huge part in the economic stability of this country even today. Mm. So mm.
1: We have to, oh, I want to pin that because here's the thing. There's a lot of us, even to this minute, I I understood there was, of course, we have power, but there's so much power in who we are. We, we hold so much power. And when we understand the power that we hold, there are certain things that we wouldn't necessarily be afraid of. And when you put it into that perspective and you say it like that, if I hadn't been vaccinated, which I have, y'all, I'm advocating go get vaccinated. But <laughs> if I hadn't been vaccinated, I think my mindset would definitely begin to shift.
3: So, I put it to you this way for anyone that doubts what I said. If you think the vaccination is BS, why are they pushing so hard to get people back in the sports arenas?
1: Because it's money. They want to fill Madison Square Garden up again. They want to get Lollapalooza popping again. They want all of these things because when we're at home, we're comfortable, but baby, ain't nobody making money. Ain't with nobody, Bezos making money.
3: nobody making money. <laughs> I just wanted to tie that part of Tuskegee into today and then come back around. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're roughly at the fifties, the fifties, you get the beginning and the development of suburbia. So now the war vets are coming home. And then from the great migration, you have now the introduction of public housing on a mass scale.
1: Whew. And we from Chicago, that's a That's a whole.
3: It, that's a whole. Exactly. So now, the people who in, that were in the slums in the rough areas now have begun this term you may have heard called white flight.
1: I am well aware of, of what white flight <laughs> is. I'm going to give you an example. Look, we're going to give them a little music. And we're going to come right back because I'm, I'm going to come sure. back and I'm going to give you an example, a real life example of white flight. And mm-hmm. then we're going to talk about how that what happened, this example in the 90s is just repetitive of what continues to happen over and over and over <laughs> again. Y'all, we are having a ball going over this history. And it's it's so funny because I know y'all are listening going, mm-hmm, because that's the, the, the feelings that we're having. So y'all, we will be right back. Uh, this is Kimbrio. You are listening to Gems and Jams. And for the sake of it, I'm probably going to play a Gap Band song again because, I mean, I got enough of them <laughs> in the repertoire right now. <laughs> So I'm probably going to play a Gap Band song again, but we will be back and we're going to hop right in. We're going to start talking about um, that mid-century area. And we're going to talk about specifically white flight when we get back and then we're going to bring it all up to present time.
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take New Soul Radio with you wherever you go. (laughs) Download the New Soul Radio app in the Google Play or Apple App Store by searching New Soul Radio. That's N-U-S-O-L Radio. If you have any tips to host your own radio show, hit us up at TeamSoulSay.com and drop your info. That's TeamSoulSay.com. S-O-L-S-E-I So say This is America I can't breathe I can't breathe Peace on left Justice on the right Peace on left Justice on the right This is America This is the reason Kaepernick Was taking a knee Heartbroken when I saw that video I almost couldn't finish it, it was a power pow. We gotta stop making saints There's a virus in police
3: departments Across this country
2: if I rule the world
3: Good cops know who these bad cops are.
2: You have every right. Time I step outside, see my You have no right to perpetrate violence
3: on the very communities that you are standing up for. A lot of people have been using my father's words.
2: That all men are created.
3: The only pathway to do this is through nonviolent means. Let
2: me know. That make that can kill my We will bring you justice, I promise. But if God got us, then we gon' be all right. Start making some changes. Imagine that this radio spot is about your business. It's easier than you think. Text 630-465-5742 to get started. That's 630 465
1: Five seven four two. I am here with Nizam and honey, we have been having us a conversation about black business today. And it's not the conversation that you would think y'all we're not talking about black business right now. And how you look, you know, all the black business conversations about how, horrible this is and we got to do better customs. No, we taking it back. We're getting historical and we're talking about the history of Black business and we're bringing it forward so that we can understand the state of Black business now. So if you've missed the interview previously, listen from here on out, but make sure you go ahead and go to the Patreon so that you can listen to the entire episode. So before we left, you talked about white flight and you said you guys are probably (laughs) Familiar with a little white flight, and I'm going to tell a little bit of a story for you and and let you just have fun with that, and then hop in and tell me how that happened over and over in the past. Um, my, my, I'm from Chicago, like you, nice, and we look, we Chicago, I know that this is worldwide, and you guys are listening everywhere. We're from Chicago, and I, uh, I was on the south side, you know, that's where I was. Born and raised, and mom and daddy said, We're going to move our baby to the suburbs. We want her to have a good school, and we want all of that. So they moved me to Madison.
0: They moved (laughs) me to Madison,
1: and we moved to Madison in 1990. And my parents um, have great jobs, they're well off. We built our home from the ground up, and we were so, listen, honey, we were happy to be in Madison. By the time I was in second grade, there were one, there was one white kid in my class. I got there when I was in kindergarten.
3: Okay. Wow.
1: To the point where, uh, 60 minutes did an actual episode on the white flight in Matson, And they literally fled to Frankfurt, which was like two miles down the road, mm-hmm. literally, but they just didn't want to have any black neighbors. And I can remember watching the episode of 60 Minutes as a child and pointing, oh, my God, mom and dad, that's our house on the TV. But it was so dynamic because as an adult looking back, back being a part of and being in the middle of it and being able to have friends that at the beginning of my elementary school career, I had white friends. And by the time I got to eighth grade, there were none. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was my personal experience (laughs) (laughs) with white flight
3: yours is not unique
1: first started happening
3: so white flight begins to really take hold in chicago and in other cities roughly let's say the late 50s and early 60s specific to chicago um there's also this term redlining redlining originates in chicago oh wow. there was a there was a time that if you were in Chicago and you were black, even when you came up during Great Migration, there was a, literally a outlined area where you only could be if you were black. That included Bronzeville, what we call the low end. I think up until 63rd. So mm-hmm. you look at the segregation of the city and Chicago cities like Chicago and Miami. We still live in the first ways. Yeah. Chicago, Miami and other cities use highways to divide them. So, for example, in the case of Miami, there's an area called Overtown, which is a predominantly black community. Highway I-95 cuts the neighborhood up. In the case of Chicago, the Dan Ryan splits Bronzeville from Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know what that means, Bridgeport is a predominantly historically white Irish neighborhood where the Sox Stadium is. And we still had racist incidents as late as 1997 with the beating of Lennar Clark.
1: You still have them now, to be frank. I was about to I was about to rent some commercial space and the owner was like, don't come by yourself at night.
3: Exactly. Bronzeville at Ergo, the name is a historically black neighborhood, although it's lightening up. But historically has been an area where many black people came from. So white flight now becomes, you know what, with civil rights in some of the far south neighborhoods like Auburn, Gresham, Roseland, Chatham, um, all these neighborhoods used to be white. And white folks start leaving. So that's white flight of them going into the suburbs. And then this is why a lot of our grandmas and grandpas got their first houses in the late fifties to the late sixties on the far South side.
1: Oh my God. Okay. Now. And I'm only saying it like that because it makes so much sense as, as we, as black people here from Chicago, this is the story that we always get in all of our, they all got their property, and I never thought about it like that. But they all got their houses around the same time in the same areas where they're. And most now. of
3: them also got their houses because the west side was never properly redeveloped after the King rights. Wow! So if you could, there's parts of Madison to this day you can that see that are still that, desolate. That is still desolate, correct? Mm-hmm. So now you get to White Flight. So now post civil rights. We've had the era of assassination from Kennedy to King to Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, and now our genera- our parents' generation believed change was on the horizon, right? Now we can vote. We can do all these things. Enter the 70s. The 70s, with the free love of music, began to introduce deregulation. Deregulation, for those who don't understand or know, I partially want to tell you, but I really want you to look that up deregulation for instance... You got to
1: tell them down they, the, they you got to tell
3: them on here studies are self-approval go find it yourself I don't <laughs> want to sound that smart go go look it up yourself but to give context of what deregulation means it literally the name certain industries were re- regulated you can only do certain things
2: mm-hmm. so
3: when you make it a free market that changes the dynamic of it another thing happens in the 70s is we go we leave the gold standard what that means is up until then, every United States dollar was backed by a piece of gold. A lot of people don't know that. That's why I did not know that. Yes, we we are no longer behind the gold standard. We then move into something that gets real dangerous credit. Mm. So now in the 70s, you start to see. Yes,
1: these,
3: me right. You start <laughs> to see. Um, these major cities, like your steel mills, your Gary's, your Pittsburgh's, Mm -hmm. your Detroit's, they're starting to wane now because of deregulation or now we can send the labor to other countries because it's cheaper because it's cheaper. So those guys, those people that came up in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, Back in the day, you didn't worry about college because you had a trade. I had a trade. So you come in, you could work twenty five years and get a good job, which is how a lot of our grandparents got the houses they got. So then, my they, can, they can go and start their own businesses. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we still had a culture amongst African Americans in our community that hey, so and so own that we gonna go support them. So and so owns this, and we did this for all businesses, not just. So you have multiple businesses that we supported. We're in the 70s now. Now we get into the 80s. Crack pops up. So people are losing jobs. Mm-hmm. The steel mills are gone. All the, the, good, the good jobs are gone.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: crack comes into the fray. One thing that people don't understand about drug dealing is no one wakes up and wants to be Pablo Escobar. Their survival of the fittest kicks in. This drug comes into the area and people are like, Hey, people are buying it. Hey, whatever I can need to do to support myself.
1: Yeah, so yeah. now
3: that devastates starting from LA and makes its way eastward. All mm-hmm. right. So then our neighborhoods, we start to see the, the advent of the drive-by shooting, the gang culture had changed. And for a lot of people that don't know the gang culture in Chicago is not what you think it is. If you no. know the history of these original street organizations, they are called street organizations for a reason.
1: This is not organized crime. Let's be clear what's happening here. They, they, these kids don't even understand the history of what they're a part of. At and there's all. factions fighting with factions where these, in these institutions, and I'm using that word on purpose, used to be to protect the community. They were not to torture the community.
3: So now with drug addiction and violence, the neighborhoods are now further going down. Mm -hmm. So, in cases of the West Side, for instance, that never recovered 20 years prior from the King riots, now you got further depression. Mm. Now, the older parents who bought the houses in the 60s and 70s, they're now 50s and 60s. Now, they're now being held hostage by the gang members that are their grandkids. Mm -hmm. So, Mm. you start to see Mm. a rise in crime, and you start to see patterns of crime on For instance, the South Side, 79th, 87th, 69th, sixty All
1: these numbers that we know to get your butt on and off of that street.
3: Exactly. So the 80s then pivot into the 90s. And then now we get into modern era, internet, things like that. Interestingly enough, Joe, President Biden had a hand in writing the crime bill that helped the three strikes rule, which is why Biden is trying to make it up to black people. So hard. But which, I digress.
1: Which, wait, which is also why he had Kamala. He <laughs> has to
3: get Kamala back
1: because Kamala, if y'all remember, mm-hmm. when they were adversaries, Kamala was not here for
3: Joe. At all. So if you think about everything I've set up until this point, we're in the 90s. Where are the businesses? So now the businesses are withering away. And now you see today's businesses in African-American communities where the predominant business that is growing in the African-American community is the church the large church that is supplemented by smaller churches, the check cashing place because of the saving and loans industry in the eighties. So there's only one black bank in Chicago to this day. Which is that is C-way? Correct. So black things are disappearing in black neighborhoods. Now you have other groups coming in. So the we don't corner- own
1: the subways. We don't own the Dunkin Donuts. We don't own the gas stations.
3: We don't we own, own none, none, of it. none of it. We own none of it. Have you ever tried to start a business in Chinatown and not been China of, of Chinese? It it's
1: not going to happen.
3: Ain't going to have no money going it to happen. Nope. So now we have the hair shop, the chicken spot, the churches, the cash check spot. So when you go in black neighborhoods, you don't have proper things to sustain them. So everybody wants to do the same thing. So now we're in the 90s. We're with we're getting through not over the crack epidemic. And now the old parents who bought the houses that I mentioned in the 50s and 60s are now 60s, 70s and 80s and they're dying off. And guess what the kids do? Sell the house.
1: Sell the house. Oh, you I was just about. to. Oh, you better stop preaching. Look, we're going (laughs) to give them music real quick and we're going to come back up because that's the biggest thing. And I really need y'all to understand what we as a society what what forget we as a society what we as a black community are doing when we take these things that we have inherited from our mothers fathers grandmothers grandfathers and we sell them for monetary value that is never worth what it's worth and now we're sitting in communities where they're food deserts and they're all of these things but I also want to say uh gonna say this Mm-hmm. I thought you was talking about now when you said everybody wanted to start the same business. Because I wish we would start starting some supermarkets and some other businesses. But black people only want to, you know, sell hair and do the same things.
3: It ain't that we don't want to start. Don't start. Want to start a supermarket? But most black people don't even understand or have awareness of the supply chain because there aren't no black farmers because Monsanto and everybody else got the farm.
1: That took over it. Mm. Y'all, we about to play some music. <laughs> We gonna play some music because we are having real talk. Make sure that you hang on, stay tuned. If you did miss the beginning of the interview, again, go and follow me on social media at I am Kimbrio. That's I A M K I M B R I O. You'll be able to find the Patreon link so you can listen to this in- this interview in its entirety. Because baby, if you came in late, you definitely want to hear the beginning too.
2: in VIP on-air opportunities, join us on Patreon at patreon.com/solsei. That's S-O-L-S-E-I-C-O. Solsei. Want more dope content. Check out Solsei's YouTube by searching Solsei on that Solsei Chicago. Starting a business. Grab Kimbrio's free brand identity checklist to remove the chaos around DIY in your brand. Get it free at Kimbrio.com slash checklist. That's Kimbrio. B-R-I-O dot com slash checklist.
1: It's so amazing to me how my shows that I've had thus far, I've had two totally different guests, two totally different topics. But a lot of the things have overlapped in regards to us really just understanding the trauma, the black trauma, and understanding how to get out of that and how to move forward. Now, today, I've been talking with Nizam. And we have been talking about black business and we have not been talking about black business in today's current form. We have talked about black business and carried it all the way forward from reconstruction. And we're almost here, we're almost now, We uh, stopped talking and we were in like the 90s, right? So we were right about here. So I really want him to have fun in regards to talking about (laughs) now and tying in how a lot of the things that we spoke about in the interview previously, how they tie into now and why things are the way that they are now. And a lot of the things that we quote unquote complain about in regards to Black business, um, let's make sense of it and understand where it came from. So before we left Nizam, mm-hmm. we were talking about, mm-hmm. Lord, what was we talking about? I feel like we've been talking about housing everything. and selling of the houses and why. And and mm. that's what it was. The other thing too, where when you go to these black communities, none of the businesses in the community that serve that community are black owned. Correct. Like, that that is that, cor- and we were really talking about that. So I'm going to just hand you the mic and let you go (laughs) at it I'll I'll jump in when need be
3: sure so we (laughs) we talked about that and we we ended with at the moment of you know we sell the houses that our grandmas and grandfathers fought for they it was Mm -hmm. it was buying equity into the neighborhood but it was also wealth generational yeah a lot of us sell it because it's short money or now we just done with the hood because the neighborhood that started off as a beacon and a bastion has declined Mm -hmm. so for instance a lot of folks don't realize the show Good Times was about Cabrini Green. But there was a time when moving into Cabrini Green was, was an, an honor. honor.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
3: a big deal. And then the, that was destroyed in 2004 because of so many other things that happened. Oh, now that's the whole show in itself. Exactly. So now we move into the late to, to the 2000s. Now, if you are born in the late 70s to the mid 80s, here is what you have seen with your eyes in your lifetime. You were told to go to school to get education, to get a good job. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Fair.
3: So if you were about 18 to 25, there was a bubble that happened in 2000. The first tech bubble. That's when the internet and stuff start taking off.
0: Mm-hmm. Tech
3: bubble pops. Then a few months later, 9-11, 9/11 happens. Destroys the economy at yeah. least three to four years right yeah. there are time people that you could walk into an airport and there was no such thing as tsa oh really all right now we move through to, to the later part of the 2000s barack obama comes along first black president but at another economic collapse point because of what the banks did with a lot of mortgages so mm-hmm. without getting technical with cdo's and swaps People were trading trash with trash. So banks were literally too big to fail. You had to prop them up and they showed you how they felt 12 years later. Mm. So all these things have happened. And now we get to today, January, February, March of 2020, COVID-19. COVID has run rampant on the country. I don't need to say how and why. The government then initiates the PPP program to help businesses and things.
1: Oh, like please talk to them and talk to me because this PPP thing has been rubbing me the wrong way.
3: First off, it is not, most of it is not free money. It's a loan. The difference between loans and grants. I understand
1: two. that, y'all.
3: Loans and grants are different. If you went to school, you know that too. There's a difference between the pay grant and the loan. The exactly, because I got pay to back. pay some back. That's well, you got to pay back, right? Then, in the case of the PPP loans, what people don't know is that if you got a PPP loan from the United States government, we can find your information
1: publicly right now where you
3: live and how much money you got. So, we could
1: screenshot, we could pull it up and share it on the screen right now. People do not understand that. They do not know. I know anything.
3: people who work in very vestiges of government who have shared with me literally addresses of people where it's like, yo, this is what these people are getting. So, now people, what people don't understand is the detriment. Of when you take a PPP loan and don't use it, you're making it acceptable in future times for black people who are real entrepreneurs to not get money. Oh,
1: okay. Stop. Cause I want to, Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I want to put, I want to put a pin on that. Cause I want to go down this rabbit hole with you. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, you know, a moment ago when I said the PPP loan rubbed me the wrong way, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Quick snapshot. And I know my story is a lot of, black entrepreneur stories that I know a lot of business uh, friends in my circle where we've been in business for a long time. Anybody who knows my story, I've been in business since I was 12, literally. Right. So if the PPP loan come along, I'm thinking this is, this was made for me. Okay. This Mm -hmm. is, I was denied.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And a lot of my counterparts in business who actually run businesses were denied. However, I wish y'all could see my little finger. However, how many people do we know who got that 10 stacks and made up a business, ain't had a business yet, ain't spent it, and got approved? Can you talk to me about how and why that happened?
3: Personal opinion and the views expressed by Nizam L. David Stewart do not represent any entity that I work for and am affiliated with. I have. perfect. To get
1: this is this what plan. I want you to say, because I know where you're going.
3: <laughs> a lot of these loan people, it was a hustle for them to get the money. But here's what people don't understand. If you really run a business, you wouldn't do this. If you get ten thousand dollars from the government, you got to report that. And the next year or at the latest the year after that you gonna have to justify that mm-hmm. so in theory the ppp loan was for payroll helping you know sustain your business your employee I myself at right i myself have two businesses in the state of illinois three in the state of florida right i did not touch the ppp loan because mm-hmm. i knew where it was going to go i've been blessed to know people work for the Internal Revenue Service.
1: Mm-hmm. And I want
3: y'all to listen closely to what I'm about to tell y'all. The IRS has had a hiring freeze, hiring blitz for a new group of people who are going to just hunt down people with PPP loans. Now, when I say hunt down people, let me be clear. Woo. There is a division of the IRS called Forensic Accountants. These are accountants with pistols. That's how they got uh, Al Capone. Taxes. Mm. with the government money if you want to if you want to but here's what here's the detriment of this when or when people do that and I know other organizations who've gotten money who are black that have manipulated the money and mismanaged it you make it hard for future generations because then the government can then say see what happened when we gave black people
1: money exactly that's the part I wanted you to say
3: that hurts because the next little girl next little boy that really wants to do something or the next true entrepreneur is now hindered because not only did you take this money, you showed this money on Facebook, you showed how you balled out and see what people don't understand. Because if you ran a business, you would notice you can't yield $10,000 of income all year. And get on am going to It
1: don't work like that.
3: That's not one how- plus
1: one. Don't equal 37 y'all.
3: So when you, use money from the government or if you just have a basic account you need to give account for what you made and what you lost and so on and so forth but a lot of people turn that money into a quick come up and without getting into details I know for a fact in certain suburbs in the south part of the south side of Chicago it's hundreds of people who got this money times Mm. 10,000 and have done nothing nothing
1: with with it that now you know? that was my question for you talk to me now we talked about we, we touched on those businesses who took the money and didn't do what they were supposed to do with it right mm-hmm. talk to me about those people who because me you know these people who started businesses for this really don't have businesses do you understand what i mean
3: oh i know exactly what you mean because everybody was spouting the letters llc
1: oh like my a- god As LLC. An llc is what a biz oh my oh Jesus, trust I'm me. I'm so I, glad me and you are on the same page. Because if I saw one more LLC T-shirt, don't get get a LLC with yo. Your... Well,
3: first off, most people don't realize that an LLC stands for Limited Liability Corporation,
1: Corporation that and means. that's one form of a business.
3: Right, There's sole proprietorship, LLC, so on and so forth.
1: C Corps, LLPs, etc.
3: If you want to that... develop a business properly, talk to me through the proper channels. I'm not giving that much free game away. I've done enough of that today. That said, if you're starting a business, it's more than just an LLC. You have to do things like an EIN and proper Mm -hmm. formation of the organization. And it's not that hard, but you need to do it properly. So here's why. Here's where I tie everything together. If you're in a neighborhood that has been economically blighted and downtrodden and you took this money and you still only got churches, hair spots, uh, chicken spots and all Mm. that. You're doing a severe disservice to the neighborhood. Because sure. you know why? Yeah. Because I can go into any other neighborhood and I can see an architect's window. I can see, I'll be, I'm looking for some a black marine biologist.
0: Mm-hmm. No.
3: All I see is, as my dad say, a black man handling a basketball like a monkey handle a coconut. Yeah. Rapper's delight. Yeah. And dope boys. So if you're gonna do it. Emulate the people who were dope boys and flipped it. The Kennedys became presidents, and all they did, they bootlegging liquor and they legitimized. It.
1: And they legit, they did not just all go to Walmart and blow their money,
3: y'all. That that is the beautiful thing of true free market capitalism. You you got an opportunity to clean it up, you know. And and, and especially
1: it, especially in today's world with the digital world. You can start businesses online. You can, you can drop ship and not even have products and have a whole business exactly. selling products that you don't even hold inventory for.
3: So one of the things that I personally predict is that in 2022, it's going to be a higher amount of arrests for fraud with the government. Mm. And what people need to think about is that if the world truly opens up, the IRS is coming. IRS, SEC. All the alphabet boys
1: with their jackets on and they are not sitting behind the desk. They come into your oh, house. They on they your Facebook. Your they, on your and y'all make it easy. they on your Snapchat.
3: All that. So the PPP loan is a. I know people I know a lot of success stories. So let me be clear. Not all of them are bad, but I've heard so many things where people got someone to be like, I'll get you a loan. And I'm going to cut, you know, cut me in on a thousand of it. I'm going to get exactly. you two, three loans. So now you got this twenty thousand dollars. but You got to be held accountable for it. What did you do with it? So in my one of my businesses as a photographer, I got a loan years ago. And before I did that, I had to give account of what I'm going to do with it. Yep. Cover that. Like make make it make sense. So for and you. they to think get this ten- is
1: free money and they think yeah. that they're not gonna have to account
3: for. Right. Month. And 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 this is a great time to start a business for whatever reason. But if you really want to help your community, then genuinely help the community. Mm-hmm. Like don't take this money out. And then go blow it. Going wherever. And then wonder what happens. Because one of the funniest stories I saw on social media. Was a young lady got a PPP loan. Blew the money. And then had the audacity to have a GoFundMe. Shut because up. she needed to pay it back. Because the feds was on her head. You can't make this up.
1: I was just, you, I wish y'all could see my face. We could Trust see me. each other. Niza and I could Trust see each other. But y'all Trust me, I,
3: I had the same face you had. I was like the audacity. But. It's a lot of people that think this is a game. And, mm-hmm. and as someone that does business consulting and business development, I I almost weep at the thought because as the world opens up, whenever that officially comes
1: it's and another bad. round
3: of this, or if there's even another round of PPP money, which it may be, analysts are going to look at where the money went the first time. Yep. What did the money do? So you know what? That makes it harder for legitimate businesses, businesses to get it. Yeah.
1: Because I'm transparently, the second go around, they sent me an invitation to apply. I wasn't even going to apply because the first time they denied me and I got an attitude and I was like, you ain't going to tell me and like, twice. <laughs> right. Exactly. All these businesses I'm running, I'm paying six hundred dollars a month in business expenses and you don't want to give me nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, exactly. And the second time around, they invited me to apply and still said I didn't make it. And that's because the criteria is getting harder and yes. it's going to continue to get harder the more that people misuse the opportunity.
3: So to, to bring everything I've talked about in full bloom, we went from slavery where we were forced upon a land to till given skills, use those skills. Well, to the point that people destroyed the community moved again, tried to use those skills again, went through civil rights and everything else, crack epidemic and everything else. And now With technology, all you want to do is hit a lick
1: (laughs) and scam.
3: (laughs) My thing is, if you can if you can scam, you can run a business. That's
1: my thing. It takes so much brain power to do the illegal things that are being done that they don't understand just an ounce of that brain power. You could run a business and, and be killing it.
2: Starting a business? Kimbrio's 30-Day Brand Takeover is for you. Get your new website, marketing plan, social media strategy, and all of the training you need in just 30 days. Apply now to see if you qualify for Kimbrio's 30-Day Brand Takeover at www.30daybrandtakeover.com. Starting a business? Grab Kimbrio's free brand identity checklist to remove the chaos around DIY and your brand. Get it free! At Kimbrio.com slash checklist. That's Kimbrio. B-R-I-O. Dot com slash checklist.
3: And I want to speak to
2: the parents and grandparents
3: of my scammers. Mm-hmm.
1: Speak up a little. Mm-hmm. Make sure That's they can hear.
3: Because this is something that if people catch on to is a game changer. If you know anybody that is a card cracker or anything or a hacker like that. Go and get you a cybersecurity certificate and get paid to do it legally.
1: Mm. This
3: country has been under cyber attack. That's how I target and and all that. The money that people make in cyber defense is crazy. Insane. When you look at movies like Live Free or Die Hard, it kind of gives you a little illusion about it. This country finds Little Johnny, who's a little hacker, and they tell you what, Little Johnny going to do time. Well, Johnny can come work for us. Right. And as black people, we're creative. So use that as a legitimate skill. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We, we're always innovating. A lot of people don't know. Lottery was founded in Chicago. Old folks called it policy. The <laughs> policy racket. The policy racket evolved and then was created And then turn into Lotto that we have today. That we have
1: today. I need to pause. I need to pause because I want them to, I want to repeat what you just said. Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of older listeners. Of course, I'm on America's home for old school and Dusties, (laughs) So I got a lot of older listeners. But what I do also know is that they're aware. Mm
0: -hmm. A lot
1: of them are aware of their grandkids, their great grandkids, their sons, their neighborhood, whatever, who are doing these things. And they just sit back. And I I think that part of it is fear. Part of it is fear. We've definitely terrorized our elders. You know what I'm saying? I don't know any other way to say it. But if you can begin to pour into them, just like he said, tell them how much money they will make a year doing cybersecurity. Just look it up. Look it up. Go to glassdoor.com. Tell them how much they will make a year doing cybersecurity. And they say, well, what is that? It's exactly what you do now. Exactly. And you won't go to jail <laughs>
0: exactly <It laughs> I just, need you guys to
1: hear that and let's start leading a big problem and i, I uh, a big problem of what's going on with our youth in my opinion is that we're afraid to lead them. we've gotten so afraid of them that we just sit back and let them, well whatever they're gonna do just let them do it
3: yeah
1: I don't care how much they fuss cuss I don't care if they flash the guns y'all we have to be aware and lead them in a direction because right now we're letting them lead themselves into
3: the wilderness and expose them to different things yeah. um you know one of the things i also tell people is expose your kids to museums and different things like that let them see like right now i'm super hyped at the young lady uh miss having who won the spelling bee i wasn't spelling bee as a shorty i remember the word i screwed up on abundant. Man. Everybody remembers um, yeah. the word they
1: messed up on, don't
3: they? <laughs> no, I do no, but, but let them see that YouTube can do this because the narrative is often limited to just sports and entertainment. Yeah. Or if you're going to go down that route, don't just look at LeBron James, look at Rich Paul. Be the agent, you know?
1: And look at more than the basketball that they do because they do way more than that.
3: Way more than that. If you want to be an entertainer, look at the people who own stuff. And the history of business in this country, as I've covered, is so much more that, of course, I couldn't cover everything. But even if you look at the Motowns and what the Barry Gordys had to go through just to, to, to compete with Capitol Records and everything else. Yeah. We're a people who overcome and innovate if we do don't do nothing else. We overcome yeah. and we innovate. My fear, though, is we rest on our laurels, and you can't just hit a lick. we got to get out the grind culture. we got to get yeah. out of it.
1: You the, know, the, you, the quick money culture.
3: You know, it goes back to that generational wealth. You know, the, the simplest things you can do is get life insurance, get a house. And my thing is, even for my dope boys out there, if that's the life you're going to lead, then just get a policy on yourself.
1: Just get a policy on yourself and buy the house and the property so that you got something that you
3: leave it to. I'm just saying, if you're going to go out like that, don't don't put everybody else in jeopardy. Let them have something after. You know, but we're so busy looking at short term money. And I've been guilty of it, too, that get into what wealth means. So for me, the reason I've started multiple businesses I already have a will. Yes, black people get your own will before you get sick. Right, we already In have- your forties,
1: and you have a will as you should. We not supposed to wait till we on our deathbed and pull an aretha. And now they looking for for pieces of paper with our handwritten. We not supposed to do that, y'all.
2: Ooh,
3: have that in place. You know, my family between my nephew, my sister, and my uh, myself, we have things in place that are for our next generation, for my niece, and for my great ne- my great nephew. Like. These are the things that my parents didn't know how to do. My grandma, when she died, said, I'm taking the house with me. My dad didn't want the house. If he takes the house, I don't become homeless three times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that we need to think about that. Yo, even if we don't want the house, keep it in the family. To this day, me and my yeah, sister yeah. and my nephew are trying to buy back that house because yeah. it's sentimental value. And we just right. want it because my grandma had that house from 69 to 05 so and, everything and, i'm telling you is real time even to me
1: yeah and and even as we look at other cultures and how they operate and how they support each other like you said even if you don't want to live in a crib keep the crib to keep it in the family put a renter in there unless it's until it's needed you know what i mean because here's the other thing too and you touched on it i'm just gonna mention it black people got a real quick way of putting our kids out the house and not supporting them you 18 you gotta go And then we're in our 20s and we're homeless and we're this, that, and the third, whereas other cultures give their children the opportunity to grow, learn a place to be, et cetera, um, that enables them to do that. Like Even with myself, bluntly, I'm grown, but without my parents' support, I would not be able to be in business for myself full-time.
3: Yeah, I can see that. And in my case, my mom passed when I was 23 while I was in grad school. Pops Mm -hmm. passed last year. Grandma passed the year after my mom passed. But I've often, as I got older, was like, yo, if we would have kept that house. Yeah. It's so much more I wouldn't have had to deal with, yeah. you know, so me and my sister talk regularly about like generational wealth, about why it's so important. You know, we just want to put things in place that, you know, my niece who's 16, she ain't ever got to go through that. She you don't know, have to even, worry
1: about where she going to live.
3: Even down as a photographer, I have things broken out in certain ways that if I, be- if and when I become what I'm going to become as a photographer money is going to stay in the family. we good. Right. We're not selling it all off. You know what I'm saying? We're keeping some things in the tub. And these are the conversations that we need to be having now because those of us in our 30s or 40s, these are the wealth building years. Can't yeah. go to brunch, do all that. But we'll put something away. or we'll come up with a business that, you know what? When this gets, takes off, this is going to keep the family eye.
1: Right. Sustained, correct.
3: You know what I'm saying? Because... That is why the Tulsas were formed in the first place because they saw what their parents went through and they were like, let's not do that. Not going to
1: do that again.
3: The whole reason why a lot of them then came up north was we saw what our parents went through. Let's not not do that that again. So it's a theme that we keep seeing that now we're breaking in a negative way because it's all about me, 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 me. And if you got kids, nieces, nephews, you need to be thinking about them now because the world that they're going to come up in, Bad. don't hang your hat on reparations. Don't hang your hat on reparations. No, that's because done. Because how people are handling the PPP loan is a loan justification JPP. for not giving reparations.
1: Yep. Yep. And
3: when, when I say that to people, they cringe. And people ask, well, how can you say that? Well, you can say, well, if they can't handle this money. Well, they
1: can't well, handle $10,000. What are we going to give them X, Y, Z amount?
3: And if anybody wants to figure out the amount of money that each black person should get for reparation, I'll give you a very relatively simple formula. 40 acres and a mule in 1865 multiply for compound inflation from 1865 to today. What I do want to tell you that amount of I don't oh, want come to on, man. So imagine hypothetically, uh-huh. Hypothetically, and I'm just gonna say hypothetically again. Each black person is owed five to ten million dollars. That's crazy. We work a- ourselves. Forty acres and a mule. Forty acres of land. So let me give people a scale of land because I'm speaking terms of Chicago. If you've ever been to the rink in Chicago and that parking lot in the back, that's an acre. So that's one me- acre. That's one acre. So forty acres and a form of transportation. Take that from 1865, multiply that and compound the inflation from 1865 to today. Do you realize how much money that would be for each of us? But do you, I, me and my dad used to joke about this. He was like, well, first thing the niggas going to do is go buy a Cadillac and get them some
1: chicken. Exactly. You know,
3: they're them some gold, so they're going to spend about 80% of it beforehand. Before? Here's the, right, but here's That's the a- Here's the irony of it, though. If people really wanted to turn the economy around, give black people money because they're not going to save. I'm going to say that again. Give black yeah. people money because they're not going to save.
1: Mm.
3: Everyone is, Everyone knows the alleged numbers that it takes, what, a black dollar stays in the community maybe 18 hours? If so that, yeah. Other communities as high as 23 days.
1: They, I was just going to say, it's like a whole month before it leaves
3: their community, literally. I mean, the, the concept of the PPP loan even proves that because we use the money, you know. Not with black
1: it, businesses.
3: Not with black businesses because if you look, hair and nail shops start opening back up. clients yep. started coming back. All these other we things we went on
1: vacation, we went and kicked it, we drank, we all of this stuff, and I need you guys to understand as we discuss this these things, and I want you to look at the past 12 months mm-hmm. with fresh eyes mm-hmm. and how things have been done. And I want you to really fully understand as well why so many people were yelling the things that they were yelling on social media during the quarantine. Bye, black, bye, black, bye, black. And y'all was like cool, I support my Black people, I get it, but I need you guys to understand why all of this matters and the depth It wasn't just because I like my Black people.
3: And I want to end it on a positive note that a lot of us do not know this information. Um, and I get it. I, I, I say it from a position as an academic, but I didn't know it at one time either. You know, so the thing is, if you want to change reach out to me. Um, There are other people that do what I do too. Reach out to people that can help you become aware of it. Um, Because a lot of times, too, people who know something can hold it in such disdain and look at people ignorantly. You know, Um, my PhD aside, I want to see everybody black win. I don't care if we get along. I want to see everybody win. (laughs) You know, like my thing is, for, for everybody that's screwing it over, there's somebody who's got the next cure for something, the next dope restaurant, the next fly brand. So I want to see them win, you know, let's, let's get that off the ground. So if you're serious about your business, um, reach out to me again on the socials, uh, year 60, Y E A R six zero P H O T O G. Um, and then, specifically, if you're really serious about that, um, I have a separate company called Ghost Wolf. That's www.golfheholldiengs.com. And
1: That's- I'll make sure I put that on the website for you guys too for an easy one click, okay?
3: So I'm let's, you know, I, 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 I hope that those go back and hear it um it's a lot to take in and um don't just believe me everything i look up google it see if i'm lying
1: i am study so study
3: to show that self approval
1: listen i am so grateful to have had you on the show right now and, and even zooming out and just looking at the conversations that I've had previously, like I said my my previous interview, we talked about intergenerational trauma of, of mm-hmm. blacks, and we talked about understanding mental health in the black community. And the funny thing about it is even we're talking about black business now, but it all dwindled down to I asked her, I said, Dr. Gare, what is the thing that we can do to move forward? And she said what you said, if we have a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's literally, you just said, we we don't do it because we don't know. Right. And if you have the knowledge and you are Black, y'all, we got to shout it from the, ra- the, the mountaintops. The, it, it takes nothing to get your message out there. We got to talk about it. We got to get it out there. And if you are one of those people who understands that you don't know, Research, you we have no excuses at this point. There's a podcast on any and every historical thing you can think of. If you don't want to read, you can listen to audiobooks. If you just want the snippet version, you can just Google it. I mean, y'all, we have no excuses. And at this point, we're in a place in history where a lot of the things that they try to hide in regards to black history are being exposed, like Tulsa. Like Tulsa,
3: please disprove a myth that my grandmother would say you want to mm-hmm. hide something from a black person put it in a book
1: yeah but guess what y'all i don't want to hear it let me say <laughs> no i'm gonna tell you why we really are at a place now y'all i have an audible library of 396 titles mm. if there's a history book that is too thick for me to read i can listen to it y'all the knowledge is there it's there for us. We have to go and get it. We have to go and get it. And that's the only way we're going to be able to grow and move forward as a community in any capacity on a micro and a macro level.
3: Indeed.
1: Thank you for coming. Thank
3: you for having me.
1: I will say, I'm going to go ahead and say it on the air. Look, you'll be back. I might wait till after you have the doctor so I okay. can introduce you like that at every doctor. <laughs> okay. but thank you so much for coming. You just dropped your socials. I also want them to make sure they check out your site. That's Y60R.com. That's Mm -hmm. Y60R.com. That's for your photography. If they follow me on the socials, they will see me tagging with you and everything um, because you just did my photos. They don't even know. That's how this whole interview came about. And also the other website, G Wolf Holdings. It's G W O L F E Holdings.com. So, if you are very serious about starting your business, you're very serious about doing this strategically, doing it the right way, and having a clear understanding, hit up Nizam, And then, when you're ready for your branding, your logos, and all of that stuff, y'all hit me up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and Nizam. when you're done with them, just call them. be like, they ready for you, Kim. Yeah, and
3: we're we going to have <laughs> a nice football faculty going, just send I'm them your way.
1: Assembly line in here. Assembly line in here. So, y'all, thank you so much. We're going to play a few more songs, then I'm going to give y'all an outro. But thank you so much for listening. Again, if you missed any of the interview, get your butt on Patreon and get this full thing. It is so worth it. Supporters of this show can join us on Patreon, where for only $5 a month, you can access all past shows and exclusive content. Join now at patreon.com forward slash soul hope. That's p a t r e o n dot com forward slash s o l s e i c o. This podcast contains excerpts from New Soul Radio shows. For the full listening experience with music, visit NewSoulRadio.com. dot com. That's n u s o l radio dot com.